Hello, everyone, and welcome to On Your Way to Work, the show that talks not to the employer, not to the manager, not to the business owner, but to you, the worker on the workplace floor. I'm your host, Christian Witted, and I'm here today with Rick Witted. Rick? Thanks, Christian. And uh, yeah, I do want to take a few minutes as we wrap up 2015 uh, to just make a couple of comments. One, I really hope that this show has been a blessing for you. And uh, hopefully we've been able to offer some uncommon, uh, untalked about discussions around career uh, that give you insight. I'm a big believer that the biggest decisions about your career are made at tables that you often are not privy to being a part of. And um, on this show, I really try to give as much insight from my own experience at those tables, as well as my experience from the results of table conversations about me that I were not a part of as well. And I think it would be um, apropos at our 100th episode and the last episode of 2015, to uh, share with you just a handful of my most cherished shows. And these are all around my family and uh, or what I've learned from my family as it relates to career. And then I would say secondly, um, big shout out to my wife, uh, LaVisca Witted, who uh, I enjoy doing life with and the things that uh, we have learned together and both she has taught me as it relates to preparing our children for the future. So with that in mind, here are top episodes of all time through seasons one and two that I thought were most valuable and uh, mean the most to me. Of course, episode three in season one, how work affects your kids, episode eight, season one, uh, and episode nine, which are both uh, the work-life balance series on the marriage relationship uh, then in seasons two, episode uh, 21 talks about career advice for your kids. 22 is helping your kids get a head start uh, in their careers. 24 is an interview with a high school graduate, uh, which happened to be my son. And then, of course, episode 26 and 27, which is giving your children a head start in the workplace. Oh, interesting. So what other messages, uh, Christian, can um, directly or indirectly can kids get from their parent as it relates to how that parent manages the intrusion of work on family life? The way it really affects a kid, I would say, is that um, it's really unique for each person in a sense, as in, as a kid, you you perceive your parents as the providers, protectors, and those the person that's going to be there for you or the people that will be there for you for the rest of your life. And if those same people who are providing for you um, are inconsistent, son, I can't work right now, or I'm working right now, I can't help you right now, or I can't go play ball, and it's consistent in that form, it can be the, as I said earlier, the kind of the demeaning of a person, the work, the money, what I'm bringing in, or in fact, me providing for you is worth more than you. Yeah. Wow. Man, that's deep. So can I just say it in like real words? Shut up, kid. I'm working. And that's more important than you. You ought to be grateful. So do you hear that, listeners? I mean, sometimes, hey, I know I've done it. And this is my son. And, and he's not having abstract conversations. I know he's 
pulling from his experience with me as well. And boy, a lot for me to take away with and, and really learn. But it's so interesting. He's just totally, I mean, the, the, the son's educating the father here. Because at times, the message that the word he used was demeaning. <sighs> wow, that's tough for me to deal with and, and realize that nothing does more to create the effect of demeaning, devaluing, right? You know, lowering the worth of a person than the tone. Wow, I, I got to work on that. Ah, full disclosure, right here on On Your Way to Work. We keep it pretty real. So earlier in the show, as you talked about absence, presence, and mm -hmm. you kept reiterating, and even now, I understand that you got to work. And you know what? There's a little guilt trip that we as parents kind of throw on the kids as well, right? I would say it's not, not so much the parents because, I mean, we're all human beings, you learn from experience and through sight, through taking in with your senses in your own head, even if you don't ex exactly understand what it is, you know what's important and you know what's not. Well, yeah, I think we've uh, we've been so inconsistent with you that you already know, well, I don't know what it is, but I know this work thing obviously is a bigger deal than I am because it is uh, it gets um, first lot every time, right? So my, my, my point in saying that, um, for our listeners is a child, your, your kid, son, your daughter will always feel guilty. If you've been inconsistent in the words that my son used with how you handle the intrusion of work and it's always one or it wins a lot more than the kids and that personal time with your kids then the kid knows because you've trained them that work's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And so there's this kind of guilt thing that the kid deals with because he knows work's a big deal. And now he almost feels bad for asking. And listen, man, we got to do better, guys. We don't want to come to the place. I don't want to come to the place or my son or my daughters. Just stop asking. <laughs> My mother did not work. Okay. And so her career was raising the children. That's a lot and, of work, Shanti. And it is, absolutely, because <laughs> I do that now, but that wasn't my desire. Right. I wanted to be in the workforce with a career outside of the home. And so for me, that was initially the struggle. Is it wrong for me to desire to want to be outside of the house in the role of being a wife? That initially was the struggle, at least for me. I don't know about my husband. Well, well, in our home, it was two working parents, but we didn't see that healthy balance between keeping the family first or giving it the time that it should have. So when you don't have a model, you don't see how to do it, then the question is, what's my reference point? How do I do it? Right. So you find yourself trying to figure it out. And of course, when you're figuring it out, you're going to do some things the wrong way. Mm -hmm. So question, the first five years of your marriage, you were actually both working professionals. Right. Yes, yes. Yes. So what were some of the bumps? What were some of the things that you found that created a challenge in any aspect of our relationship, communication, time spent, whatever? What was the challenge when, Shanti, you going after that career? Because, hey, I ain't staying home. I would think that time spent was a bump. And for me, here's the difficulty. And I'll go back to my model that I saw. It was a good model in many ways. 
I saw particularly a father who was very passionate about what he did, very passionate. So in terms of work, in terms of work, okay. absolutely in terms of work. So when I found the thing that made me very passionate, that drove me. So I found a sense of value and meaning and worth in that that can become very consuming because it's giving you something that you need for yourself. Mm-hmm. There's almost an unintended conflict because I need what my job gives me, but also my marriage needs something else. And a lot of times you don't understand that. Sometimes when your wife may address it, now this is an attack. You're attacking my passion. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. I love that statement. So work produces an unintended conflict. Absolutely. In a sense, it sounds like what you're saying is work gives you a sense of identity. Yes. And your conflict is that's also supposed to come from the marriage relationship. And what that created for us initially was him desiring to spend time working and fulfilling his passion there and me feeling left out and neglected. And like I needed to demand more of his time because I wanted to be important and we were just newlyweds. And so for us, that was the greatest conflict with me feeling as though work was more important to him than our marriage. Do your homework and know what fields are out there. Know your child, know the disposition of your child and the strengths of your child. And look for skills and degrees and trainings and education that fit into the natural giftings and ability that you as a parent have observed in your children. They have natural gifts that can connect easily to jobs and or sectors and industries that are out there. Now, my children have natural giftings. My son is just a whiz, can read and consume anything, loves it. You know, the biggest thing we had to get on him about early on with these like Bible-sized books, right? He'd just read them and read them and he'd get lost in reading, right? Great problem. It's what he loves. All good. He wants to be a computer engineer. It is my job, right, to do what I can at an early age to really, you know, to really encourage that. And so we have friends that are in that industry. I have an acquaintance through the local college here that took computer engineering is in that field. And our job is to connect our son with him, to create a mentor for him, right? That's our job. My oldest daughter, she's the kid when mom babysits, the rest are running or they're playing with the kid. But when it comes to the changing diapers and babysitting and watching, she's the, she has a proclivity for taking care of babies and, and elderly loves doing it, right? She was the one that would help mom with uh, with grandma before grandma passed. It's just her thing. We have instilled in her from a young age, you can be a doctor and you can be a pediatrician or a veterinarian because she loves animals. Well, she's 15 now and she's convinced that she will be a, a pediatrician. Is that a dream we planted in her? No, but it's it's a dream we cultivated in her. We gave her that direction. And so we homeschool so we can really customize what we do. But we're working now on how can we help her get the skill sets. Two years ago, she wanted to be a veterinarian. You know, now it's a pediatrician. I'm good with either one of those. Right. I know both of those pay well and are demanding fields. 
right? And so our job is to do our homework, to do our education, to help guide her in that right direction. My youngest daughter, she's just a gift. She has a gifting for cooking. I mean, the girl can bake a cake like nobody's business and she's 13. Well, she wants to be a culinary artist and she wants to be a dietitian. Dietitian, absolutely a field that it's in demand and that they're hiring. All kinds of uh, healthcare and or food related industries are hiring dietitians, people who understand the consequences of foods that you eat and putting foods together. Two great fields. We're going to push her in that direction if that's what she likes because it fits in her gifting. But we're not just saying, hey, baby, you can be a great cook or you can be a doctor. We understand what their giftings are and we're pushing them in that direction. How many have heard these five words? Ready? Do we have to go to bed? There you go, right? Uh, so parents cry too. So I just want to really share um, a handful of things uh, that I think make um, cumin special. And also, this is more for you parents, um, also put your children at the head of the workplace or running the workplace or owning the workplace. There are four things that I've found uh, just throughout my, my career and talking to a lot of uh, leaders in the business world that are crucial and that Kuhn helps your children for. So it's this systematic learning uh, and uh, retaining uh, process that uh, allows your kid to self-learn through repetition, self-correction, and personal ownership. So when we started at Kuman, it was out of what we thought was a need. You know, one of my, my daughters, she's more the creative type, right? So if I have to draw it, I'm good. If I have to think about the equation of it, I'm not happy. And so we thought there was a need for that. And what we found was, now she's 15 now, she still is not a Kuman fan, but if you ask her, am I gonna give up Kuman? It's no way, I gotta finish. And so there's something about a program that develops that into a kid, uh, a child. So what are those things? So I think Kuman teaches discipline. Malcolm Gladwell in his book, Outliers, is a very popular book. He went and he, he did research on individuals like Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, and what he found out was that it takes approximately 10,000 hours of doing something to achieve mastery. So what you don't realize is that this process in Kuman is actually teaching your children mastery. They're learning how to master a subject. More importantly, they're learning to master that subject self-taught. And business owners and entrepreneurs and leaders and corporate execs are dying for people who can come into a workplace and revolutionize it on their own through learning a subject on their own. And you know why that's so cool? Because how many of you work, right? Even if you're home, trust me, that's more work. Here's a special thing about that. You don't do something different every day. It's repetition. You do the same thing over and over and over and over again. And this program is helping your child prepare to be ahead in the workplace. The second thing that I think it teaches is self-starters. And how many of you own a business? 
right? So you want workers that are what? Self-starters, right? You want someone that comes in and it feels like they own the business as well. And this, this concept of not teaching your child how to do the work, but allowing your child's learning to evolve on its own as they do the work is a concept that's sought after in the workplace. Third thing that it creates is accountability. Think about my daughter who has spent the last several years saying, do I have to go? Now says, I don't wanna go, but I gotta finish. That's accountability. And so when you're pulling into that parking lot and you have the Kuman soap opera show for about 15 minutes, just remember, don't let them quit because you're teaching accountability. Well, just like what I shared last week, I mean, in order to become a good worker, you have to be able to work hard. Right? Okay. As the parents, we always want to tell our kids, okay, you have to work hard in a good, efficient way, mm-hmm. right? It will start at home, mostly, right? I mean, asking the kids to do the errands in the most efficient way. Pay attention, son. Right? Yes. <laughs> and then also, a lot of things that you can do at home, okay. right? You, you also want to set the good example to your kids. Mm-hmm. For example, in order to become a good student, maybe your, your kids, you, you want your kids to read the book. Okay. Right? And as the parents, as the kids, our children looking up at us, right? If you as the parents do not even read the book, how can you expect your kids to read the book? Uh, uh, Make sense? It does. I mean, how can you expect your kids to eat broccoli if you don't even eat vegetable? Right. Right? The same thing happens to, to the children. I always uh, tell the parents in the Kuman program, if you want your kids to read the book, you have to allocate certain times where the entire family members read the book. Ah. Uh. Right. Very so you set example to your kids. Well, uh, based on my experience as the Kumon instructors for the past five years, I've seen that a lot of parents they don't set their expectation high. Okay. They are happy with uh, their current situation. Okay. Right. Me as the if I become parents, I don't want to set expectation of my children's high enough. Mm-hmm. When I say high. Uh, Basically, I want to send my kids to the best school ever, mm-hmm. right? And then prepare them as early as possible. A lot of parents, they, they, they tend to maybe, like say, send to Kumon when the kids have a lot of problems and it becomes too late, mm-hmm. right? Me, I wouldn't like to send my kids as early as maybe two years old, three years old, gotcha. because I can set them earlier, right? So what I've seen, I mean, a lot of us in the society tend to to find the solutions, the quick fix solution. I gotcha. Not like going to the root cause of the problem right. at the last minute. Mm-hmm. A lot of parents, you know, send call me like uh, a week or a month before the FCAT starts, uh, which is it's too I late. Mean, too late. Yeah. Right. So I mean, if you prepare your children ahead of time, it's gonna be giving you a lot of profits at the end of the day. You know, when you get to this point in your kid's life, if if by the time they're in high school and graduating, you haven't been having this conversation about what they will be all of their life. And it's not the conversation that says, boy, you going to be this 
<laughs> over my dead body are you going to be it's not that kind of conversation right it is the what do you want to be and this is what you can be and hey you have a lot of interest in this particular thing have you thought about this or hey read this you could be this what do you want to do i could actually give you a sort of an example i did this for another friend of mine um he wasn't sure exactly he wants to be a writer mm-hmm. but he wasn't sure you know, like he writes now. He wants to be a writer. He wants to get published. And he's working on that. And I've given him resources, you know, through uh, the surrounding organizations that we're a part of for sure. writing. Sure. However, he beyond that, he really wasn't sure what to do. And so um, I think one thing that parents can do is um, look at your child's interests, like sort of like you spoke on this. Look at your child's interests and then see what could possibly be done with that. Like he likes to write military history and specifically between the world war one and cold war era and i told him you can like you have this great interest in history you like to write about it what if you leverage that say say you went to college like he said i asked him if he wanted to go you know nothing wrong with not going if you wanted to go somewhere else right but i told him you have this love for history why don't you become a history major get your master's you'll have all of the background information that you need for that era You'll be in the research mindset when you're going down those paths. You'll be able to write from a nonfiction perspective with the credentials and you can teach and you can lecture. That opens up a lot of doors for you so that not only are you an author, but you could also be a historian. You could be a teacher. You could lecture. You could do many things with that. Yeah, I love what you're saying. Uh, Parents. So, I mean, this is the future teaching us, right? That, That is so, so important to know what your children have interest in mm-hmm. and then do your homework and guide them. I mean, they are a they are a quiver full of arrows and it is our job to to set the bow, pull it back and point them in a good direction and I think that's absolutely awesome. So Christian, let me ask you uh, another question since we're on the topic of parents and them giving direction and encouragement in a child's future. First, Because I think that so many parents have the conversation and the emphasis around school Mm -hmm. that that they don't go beyond and have the conversation about jobs Mm -hmm. and careers. And so one of the reasons that I think you um, have a very good sense of what you want to do and what you want to become from a work perspective. It's because you're listening to the show, but it, it sounds like, and I don't put words in your mouth, but it seems like your friends, they've got the school piece down, but like what happens after school, they, they have no idea. Can you speak to that a little bit? I think that also has a little bit to do with how the parents and their jobs work. Okay, um, what do you mean by that? Like, for example, it's kind of how I think you said something along the lines of children are like mirrors. So if they see that their parents are very disgruntled Mm -hmm. at their jobs or they they, you come to associate jobs with stress, with social angst and with. um, Well, really, those two sum it up. Yeah. Well, financial misery. Yes. (laughs) So angst, (laughs) angst. Financial misery and stress. Yeah. And so you are giving your children advice about jobs by the way you speak and act and just by the way you come home from your job. You're speaking volumes as to how they're going to interpret their own jobs when they it's it's sort of like um, 
I mean, it's like anything else. Like I pick up some of your habits yeah. as I grow up because that's what I see. Yep. You know, children become what they see. So if that's what they see, that's what you come to interpret it. I mean, the mind is a powerful thing. And so it's kind of like sometimes when you think, you know, how did the kid might be two years old and does something directly after you that they're not supposed to do? You think, how do they do? It's because they watched you. Right. They figure it out. And so that subconsciously is reflected as they get older. I mean, even if I'm 18, I know how you come home from work. That shaped how I view my eventual working job or how it might be. I I have never thought about that. Uh, Those are all episodes that mean a lot to me. They're really shaped by the most important thing in my life, my family, my wife, and my children. So with that, have a blessed new year. I hope you had a wonderful uh, holiday season in 2015. And as we go into 2016, We will talk a lot about what we've been building up to for the last two years. The release of Outgrow Your Space at Work, as well as the release of the CareerWit online assessment tool that'll help you define what a career progression means to you. Said another way, why have you been making the career decisions you've been making, both good and bad? I look forward to that lengthy discussion all of 2016 with myself as well as guests uh, on those topics. Until next year, have a blessed, blessed life. Bye-bye.